The hustle and bustle of the holiday season is sneaking up on us, and if your family is anything like mine, they're already asking what you want for the holidays. Or maybe you're just feeling like your flock deserves a gift that keeps on giving, and Honey and Rue may just be the answer. Henny and Rue's monthly subscription box includes products that may not be available to you at your local feed store. The box has a variety of items ranging from things to add to your first aid kit, treats for your hens and roos, and there's always something fun for the chicken keeper. The perfect gift to ask for for yourself or gift to your chickens. So go to hennyandrue.com and use code DRINKINFARM at checkout to get 10% off your first subscription box. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. What you drinking today? I just opened a Slay All Day from Masthead Brewing Company. Ooh, is that like S-L-A-Y or like Christmas Slay? Oh, it's like Christmas Slay. Oh, look at you. You already have your holiday beers. Yep, I was ready. I was ready. ready. (laughs) And this beer is an IPA with spruce tips, so I'm really looking forward to it. Nice. What'd you open over there? So I opened a Perrier lime uh, and dumped it into my Your Ass is Enough mug that had ice and absolute vodka in it. Mm. Yeah, so trying to hydrate while dehydrating. (laughs) I mean, it's a good combination. (laughs) I thought so. Our drink peep this episode is Kayla Wood, and she is at Honey Creek Homestead over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. All right. So by the time you guys hear this, you're probably done with your turkey day. Thanksgiving is over. Maybe you're putting up your Christmas tree if you haven't already. But I don't know about you guys, but I've been toying with the idea of raising turkeys for meat. Obviously, for Thanksgiving and for other reasons, the past couple of years, and I think 2021 might be the year. So we decided to do some research. Yeah. Um. So it's funny. Before we actually like moved here, having a like completely homegrown Thanksgiving was always something that I wanted to do. Like I imagined I'd grow the sweet potatoes and, you know, I got my eggs from the chickens. I have the cream and the milk from my milking goat and I'd raise the turkey, you know, and everything else that goes into Thanksgiving meal. Because there's tons of things. The only thing I can't grow is cranberries because that like requires a pool or something. (laughs) That would be so fun if you got a pool just for cranberries. I mean, that's something I totally would do, but... (laughs) Do it for the pod. Jared might think you're going nuts, but it'll uh, be fun. <laughs> yeah, just just a little bit. So yeah, so uh, I was like, yeah, Turkey kind of makes sense to be a, a good place to like kind of start on that. Not that I haven't already started on that. There's a lot of things in our Thanksgiving meal that I grew or raised, yeah. but the turkey isn't one of them yet. So if you guys are in the same boat as us, the gravy boat <laughs> for your turkey. <laughs> um 
take a listen because, you know, there's some important things you need to know while you're making this decision and if it's right for your homestead or hobby farm, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So we're going to start by like asking some questions and answering them. And then we'll go into the who's the what's in the house. Yeah. So the first question, which I don't know if I actually know the question or the answer to this, and it's, do you like turkeys? I don't know. I've never met a turkey. I mean, I think I've seen some turkeys. I definitely saw some turkeys when I was in in Instagram. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) On Instagram, I've definitely seen turkeys. Um, (laughs) When I was in Australia, we were at this zoo And these turkeys were jumping up onto probably like a four foot chain link fence. And I was like terrified of them Um, because it was a petting zoo and it was all open and there was like all kinds of stuff. There was kangaroos running around and sheep and goats running around and turkeys. And I remember the turkeys quite vividly right now. Um, They're a little crazy. They're a little intense. Uh, But I feel like because I have some pretty big roosters around here and now I have geese and I have a better comfort level with poultry, I would be okay with turkeys. Yeah. And, you know, that's a good point that you make. um, Because one of the things, too, is like, your turkeys aren't necessarily going to be the same as somebody else's turkeys. So like at that petting zoo, they're probably pretty food aggressive because they get fed (laughs) like all the time by people. And they know like, you know, if they like get at you that you'll just throw the food for them. (laughs) And run. (laughs) And run. Yeah. So, you know, it like you can't necessarily base your opinion on whether you would like them on one interaction with turkeys. But right. like if you have a friend that raises turkeys, like it might be a good idea to go hang out at their place for a bit and like hang out with their turkeys and talk to them and, you know, see if you actually like them. Because I'm not going to lie. If I'd hung out with some ducks before I got ducks, I'd probably have less ducks. I'd still have ducks. <laughs> but after I watched them shit once, I would have definitely gotten less. <laughs> I mean, we talked about it. We talked about the duck dick. We talked about the shit rocketing. Like, but until you see it with your own eyes, like you don't get it. Yeah, and I and I feel like maybe that's just my personality. Like I have to see it, feel it, smell it, and taste it to like get it. <laughs> you can't tell me not to do something. I have to try it for myself. Yeah, I, I'm the same way with certain things too. <laughs> totally get it. Um, yeah. So if you can't do that, then just be prepared that it might not be your thing. But we'll get into the different kind of turkeys and how long it takes to grow them before you can, you know, put them on your plate. And that might help determine which breeds you go with. Because if you hate having turkeys, you probably want to go with the fastest growing turkey so you can kind of get it over with. Yeah, that would make sense. That just got real dark. (laughs) (laughs) So the next thing that you'll want to find out is if you have enough time. For the turkeys. Um, Every time you add something to your farm, it's more work. It's more farm chores. Yeah. Like, so you're definitely, it's going to take some effort on your part. Um, And that's a lesson that I've kind of learned here too, because sometimes I look outside and I'm like, I already got all these other species. So what the heck is one more going to do to me? (laughs) Well, one more is the difference between doing chores by myself and needing someone else to help me herd the ducks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. so there's, it's definitely going to be different. So you want to think about that. Like, what does this do to your time? Right. Things you'll want to think about is like, 
you know, your daily feeding and watering, um, the coop that you'll have to have them in and that you'll have to clean. And if you're raising them for meat, are you going to be the one to slaughter and process them? Or are you going to find somebody to help you? Or are you going to take them somewhere? Um, you know, we're kind of having that question with some of our ducks right now, because of course we hatch ducklings and like four out of five of them are males. Um, from this past summer. So we're in the question right now of do we have the time to slaughter and process them ourselves or do we take them to the place down the road and pay them? Because, you know, time is money. (laughs) Yeah, it certainly is. Yes. So just another thing to consider. The next thing you want to think about is do you have the space for turkeys? Because they're a pretty big bird. Yeah, and they also, um, turkey poults need to be raised separately from chickens, like at least not in the same coop or the same brooder. Right. So uh, space is going to be important. You can't just like add them to your chick order this spring and just think that you'll put them together and it'll be okay. (laughs) Right, right. Maybe eventually. I've definitely seen on Instagram people having their turkeys live with their chickens, but it's after they're like grown adults, not when they're like little babies. Yeah. And um, the reason for that is that um, turkeys are susceptible to something called blackhead disease and chickens can give it to them. So that's why you don't put turkey bolts and baby chicks together. Right. And chickens, chicks mature more quickly than turkey bolts in terms of being oriented and aware of what's around them. So when chicks and poults are several days old, the chicks might start picking on the turkeys and it could injure the turkey or even or the little baby turkey and or even like kill them. So chicks are kind of jerks. <laughs> they are. I mean, I've seen them pick on like the weakest chick for sure. Yeah. And um, when turkeys get older, I've definitely seen people raising turkeys and chickens together. So this is going to be one of those, you have to watch it on your own farm and see how it actually works. Um, But grown turkeys are bigger than chickens. So if you have a grown aggressive turkey, uh, they could end up hurting your hens or hurting your rooster. Um, So that is something else to consider. Like you might want to plan to keep them separate. And then if it works out that they can hang out together, great. (laughs) But you need a backup plan if it doesn't work out. Yeah. And there are also different requirements for feeding turkeys compared to chicks. Turkeys actually need higher protein. So that can also complicate your your setup too. Um, You'll also want to... a space for your turkeys that is somewhat separate from the chickens because of all the reasons we just said. So you want to make sure that if it's not working out with them living with your chickens, you got a backup plan. And turkeys require about 10 by 10 foot space for raising 10 to 12 day old poults. Um, and they get larger, they need more space. So turkeys take up a lot of space. So even just raising them in a brooder, like how are you going to do that? And, like, what time of year is it when you're doing that? Because you might need to have them in your garage or your barn. And, like, the whole bathtub thing that I tend to do probably won't work very long in this case. (laughs) No, they get big so much faster than that. Yes. (laughs) So uh, turkeys actually do best on a range um, in some sort of large fencing. Um, And they do need some shelter from the weather. And... 
Um, they recommend about an eighth of an acre or about 75 feet by 75 feet for about a dozen turkeys. So I can kind of like give you an idea of what size run area they'll need or like pasture area. Right. The other thing you want to ask yourself is, is it legal for you to have turkeys? Because there are a lot of cities now that allow residents to keep chickens and it's technically, te- typically just hens, not so much the roosters because of the noise issue. Um, but you'll want to double check and make sure that you can actually have turkeys. Um, you'll want to check with the municipality in which you live in to find out if, you know, having a few of them is legal. That way, you know, you're not setting yourself up for some stress and heartbreak coming into your life. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen people talk about, like, you know, raising illegal chickens in their backyard or whatever. And I have a confession. My anxiety could never handle that. Oh, mine neither. I would constantly be concerned about losing them, not being able to have them, like, or having them taken away. And, like, my recommendation to people is always, like, if you want chickens to be legal in your area, you can talk to your municipality and, like, get laws changed and get things going so that you can raise backyard poultry. And I imagine that that's the same for turkeys. So it kind of depends on like how big your plots are, Mm -hmm. whether or not you'd want to fight for that. um, And what kind of temperament your neighbors have, if anyone would be on board with you. Uh, But it's definitely an option. Like I'm never one to just take no for an answer. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm the same way too. Like my husband's like, I keep talking about the amount of animal units we have left. And he's like, do you really think somebody's going to come out here and count, like, everything we have? And I was like, I don't know. But if they do, do you know how emotionally distraught I would be if I had to get rid of something? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just not going to go down that road. I want that buffer of an animal unit or two. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, and sometimes I try to, like, look at it from the other perspective for, like, why why do they have those limits? Like, is there a legitimate reason? Is it because, you know, the animals are are healthier if raised, you know, only in so much space? Or are they worried about manure, like, washing mm-hmm. into the local streamways and stuff? Sometimes it's not just, like, as simple or black and white as, like, they're trying yeah. to tell me what to do. Exactly. <laughs> like, there might be a legitimate reason. So I always try to look into those, too. Right. And uh, I know it's super tacky to talk about finances, but we're tacky here. So what can I say? Uh, You also want to find out if you can afford it. Yeah. It's another mouth to feed. You got to take that into consideration, whether you're raising them for just yourself or for fun, or you want to work it into your business plan of some kind. Like, how much is it going to cost you? And is it maintainable? Right. Right. And turkeys obviously require a pen, housing, feeders, waterers, and turkey poults themselves can be expensive. And not all of them will make it until they're full grown. Like you just got to bank on some sad things happening to your poultry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. And you also want to consider like what your long-term goals are for your small farm if you're talking about taking on turkeys as a business venture. And uh, another thing that might be a good idea is to just start on the small scale and see how it works out. I know things tend to be more expensive um, to do on the smaller scale because, you know, like you're thinking, I've got to invest all this money to put together the turkey area anyways, so let's just go 100 of them. (laughs) 
That's probably a bit of an exaggeration, but... (laughs) Could you imagine how loud that would be? Oh, my God. Oh, it'd be so loud. But, you know, if you start with just like five or ten and figure out in a season that you really like it, and it may not have been super lucrative of that at that level, you can always scale up later, which is super cool. So, um, if you just yelled, hell yes, turkeys are for me... Like we have in our brains mostly. Um, we've got you because in the next section we're gonna tell you all about um how to pick your turkeys and how to take care of them. Yes. So when you're choosing a breed of turkey, like what do you often think of? Um, I think of big turkey toms and how <laughs> they're probably gonna hump my leg. <laughs> I always picture those really big white turkeys. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know where I got that picture from, but I always picture a really big white turkey. I picture the turkey like on the wild turkey booze bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I took a picture in front of that wild turkey oh. that's on the side of their barn. <laughs> See, it's amazing what when you say turkey, how different our brains react to that. So, yeah, obviously you can pick a broad breasted white turkey and these are the modern eating turkey, similar to the ones you find in the supermarket. But even this breed raised on pasture on a small farm will taste far more flavorful than the supermarket variety. And standard bronze and white Holland varieties are also popular breeds for meat production. Uh, Broad-breasted bronzes and whites are not actual breeds, just a non-standardized commercial strain used for meat, while white Hollands and standard bronzes are recognized breeds. There are some heritage turkeys you can raise also, including Bourbon Reds and Narragansetts. Um, And the Narragansetts are striking medium-sized birds that are actually really awesome at foraging and pest control. So if you're thinking like pastured turkey, like all the way, that might be a cool one to consider. And lastly, in this article, they talked about royal palm turkeys. They grow to a smaller finished size of roughly 10 to 16 pounds. And they're beautiful, different looking birds. So if you're just looking to have a couple turkeys... Or you want to, you know, gift turkeys to family and maybe you don't have big get-togethers, like, that might be a good option for you, too. So now you want to know, how do you raise turkeys from poults? Well, uh, it's not super different from chickens, but there are definitely some differences. Um, You'll start with day-old turkeys in the spring. They're called poults. And that's just the way that you start it with chicks also. And you'll want a brooder area and you'll keep that between 90 and 95 degrees Fahrenheit for the first week. Then slowly lower the temp by raising the lamps or your sweeter heater, uh, cooling it by 5 degrees Fahrenheit each week. And if you're wondering where you're going to get your turkey poults, uh, you can usually order them from the same places where you order chicks from. Lots of chick hatcheries also sell uh, turkeys and ducks and geese. And all the poultry. All the poultry your heart desires. And I didn't know this, but this article claims that turkey poults are said to be friendlier and enjoy human interaction more than chicks. So you'll want to be sure and spend some time with them. Which is probably a good idea because it's going to be a really big bird. You know, you want to be friends with it. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. And you know, now that I'm thinking about it, that doesn't surprise me because we learned earlier that it takes a little while for like turkey poults to get their bearings. So they might not have that fear of you right away like baby chicks do. Yeah. <laughs> so how do we house and create fencing for turkeys? So many farmers let their turkeys live outside on the range in a large fence pen with a movable roost assembly, uh, much like a movable chicken coop or chicken tractor. But you'll want to hold off on letting your turkeys free range until they're 12 weeks old. Um, And apparently turkeys are great in short grass, not large weeds, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I would think they'd like the large weeds because they'd like the bugs that hide out in them. Yeah. I digress. Turkey. Coops should include at least six foot of space per turkey. For a flock of a dozen turkeys, you'll need to build a pen of about 75 square feet. Um, And you want to make sure that your fence is secure from coyotes, foxes, raccoons, um, any other predators in your area that like to snack on chickens will probably try to go for the turkeys. Um, So you want to keep that in mind. And when you're selecting your fencing, um, woven wire fencing is a great choice, but you can also go with electrified poultry netting. Uh, Keep the pasture fresh by moving the portable roost to clean ground weekly. You can also rotate the location of feeders and waterers to help prevent manure buildup. Oh yeah, bigger birds, more poop. Yep, you should see goose (laughs) poop. I mean, we've all seen it before if you go to a park with the Canadian geese, but yeah, big poops, green poops for the geese. (laughs) So now we're going to talk about feeding and watering your turkeys. For a dozen turkeys, you'll need at least two gallons of water every day. Two gallons every day. That's a really big waterer. Yeah. So uh, one of the recommendations is to set up some sort of automatic waterer so you can do like a spigot that like automatically refills. It's like connected to a hose bib outside. Uh, I've been a big fan of the rain barrel thing that we've done for the one coop. Uh, So if you get a lot of rain, that would also supply um, a reasonable amount of water for turkeys. Um, And the cool thing about a rain barrel is if uh, it doesn't rain, you can just go over there with a hose and fill it. And they hold, gosh, I don't know, I think mine holds 50 gallons of water. Oh, wow. Uh (laughs) So it's a pretty big, it's a pretty big rain barrel. (laughs) So that's an option too. And as far as your feed goes, many turkey farmers build a wooden range feeder with a little roof on top to hold the feed. Um, A feeder that holds about 100 pounds of feed is a good size for 12 turkeys, as by the time they near maturity, they will each eat a pound of feed a day. Dang. Ooh, that's a lot of feed. Yeah. (laughs) And turkey poults require higher levels of protein to grow properly. So this is another reason, you know, as we pointed out, why you might not be able to keep them with your chicks. Um, we, this article recommends a 24% game chick starter for the first six weeks, changing to 20% in week seven and then 15% grower finisher after 12 weeks. So if you've had chickens before, you know, that higher percent protein feed is going to be more expensive. So you just got to keep that in mind with your budget and the number of turkeys you're getting, because that can add up pretty fast. Yeah, it can. And their protein requirements are very different from chickens. Yes. So, yeah, it's good to know that. 
So you'll also need to know how to prevent uh, ending up with any problems with your turkeys or diseases because obviously prevention is what we want. Um, treating stuff sucks. Yes. <laughs> and it's just like any other creature. You know, you want to make sure that they have the right amount of space for them. You know, keep things clean um, to a point. Obviously, some turkey shit is fine because it's a <laughs> turkey coop. Like, you can't freak out about stuff like that. Um, but clean water clean roosts, um, you know, the basics of of animal management are what you're going to mostly need. Um, But uh, they definitely need really good ventilation because they poop more than chickens do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you don't want that ammonia building up in there. Um, And yeah, that's that's the, the basics of keeping turkeys healthy. Just like most other animals. All right. And the next thing you want to think about with your turkeys is the processing part, which isn't the most fun part, um, but it's definitely necessary because if you're growing turkeys on your farm, it's probably because you want a nice turkey dinner. The steps are much the same as processing chickens. You will simply need a bigger killing cone and make sure the scalding pot is big enough for your largest turkey. Which is actually kind of tricky. <laughs> yeah. It's a big pot. Yeah. I mean, I have my turkey. My turkey is getting ready to brine in a five-gallon food-safe bucket. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't own a pot that big. <laughs> no. If you want to try to breed your own turkeys, keep one tom for every 10 hens. And in the spring, your turkey flock will naturally expand, which is kind of what I'm thinking of doing. Um, and obviously, if we're going to go that route, you want to think about your breeds a little strategically because you don't need some miserable uh, turkey (laughs) wobbling around and breaking its legs because it wasn't built for that. Yeah. Um, If you end up with extra turkeys, you can sell trios, um, a tom and two hens to other local farmers or homesteaders. So um, I know that's not a lot of information on the nitty gritty of processing, but um, maybe next year if we both have turkeys and go through that experience, we'll share a little bit more detail. Yeah. I mean, I imagine it's almost exactly yeah. like the chickens. I mean, their uh, their anatomy is built pretty similarly. Like if you can handle a chicken, you can handle a turkey. I think um, I think that actual like dispatch is going to be the hardest part because of the size of the bird. Yeah. Like, I don't know that I could pick up a turkey and turn it into a cone, like yeah. you know, because that that's yeah. like actually like a maneuver. Um, because you tr- you're trying to do it as calmly and as smoothly as possible. So like typically, I pick up my um my Cornish cross hens. I have them tucked under my arms so they're like nice and safe while I'm carrying them around so they're not freaking out and feeling like, you know, they're in a scary place. And then I just like, I go up to the cone and I just like very quickly like put an arm underneath their bottom and just tip them into it and pull their head through right away and do it immediately so that there's like no freak out time. Yeah. Because it it helps keep everything under control and less messy and less traumatic for them um, because that's always my goal. Yeah, Tra- less traumatic for them and you. <laughs> yeah, less less traumatic for everybody. Like the faster and easier you can do it, the better. And turkeys get pretty dang big. Like yeah. my Thanksgiving turkey is 17 and a half pounds dressed Oof. this year. I can't imagine what that thing looks like um, running around. <laughs> yeah. like, it's a pretty big turkey. <laughs> so in order to have your turkeys 
um, fully grown in order to um, have them ready for Thanksgiving. With standard breeds, you want to take six, they can take 16 to 22 weeks to reach ideal butchering size, which means you should start them no later than mid-June. You can always raise them in the spring, then process and deep freeze when the time is right. If you don't want to start in mid-June and want to start earlier. And with heritage breeds, those take a little longer, uh, between 25 and 30 weeks to re reach their ideal butchering size. So you'll want to start them no longer, no later than the end of April. Yeah, which is like good information to have because yeah. uh, I usually barely have my chicks by the end of April. <laughs> <laughs> it always takes me a while to gear up in the spring. Planning <laughs> is important. Yep. Yeah. And I think the timing part of turkeys is one of the harder parts because it's not eight to nine weeks like a chicken is. Right. Right. Chicken's a little more flexible around mm -hmm. the schedule. Well, and you want to think about like when you're going to start raising them because like I would not have had time to process a turkey this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that would be so stressful, especially yeah. for your first time. Like processing a big ass bird, yeah, that would be really stressful. Yeah, I like. I I think ideally you would want to do it in like September or October. The weather is relatively mild, depending on where you live, I guess. For me, the weather is relatively mild. Um, you know, we're still kind of we're starting to wind down on the garden, so we're not doing quite as much dehydrating mm -hmm. and other things like that. So it seems like a good time and, you know, fill up the rest of the freezer with the turkeys that you have would be the time to do it here, I think. Yeah. So that's it, guys. That's all we know right now about turkeys and raising them. <laughs> yeah. But if somebody wants to pop into our group and fill in any gaps we left there... Um, obviously we haven't done it, but it's something we're thinking about doing. So this was like our first, uh, go around of, well, mm -hmm. what should we know to do this? <laughs> exactly. So if we got any of that wrong, let us know. <laughs> yeah. And we did use a few sources for today. Um, we read a couple blog po blog posts from treehugger.com and pulled some information directly from Tractor Supply's website. All right, so now it's time for We Can't Even Corner. Yay! Hooray. All right, Bev, what can't you even about this week? Okay, so I'd actually seen this, and someone happened to send it to me over Instagram also, um, and it was um, at Rented Homestead CA over on the Instagram. She sent us some super cute alpaca gear last yeah. year. She messaged this to me, and I was like, oh, I totally saw that. I'm going to make it my can't even. Um, so apparently, a wild rooster just walked into a couple's house and decided to stay. <laughs> He's like, this looks nice. Yeah, this looks here. nice. I think I'll live here. Now, I looked at that rooster. I don't think he was wild. I think he was like a dumped rooster. Aww, <laughs> poor guy. Yeah, which is kind of sad. And he looks like he could be like one of the bantam breeds. He's on the, a little bit of a Aww. smaller side for the roosters, for as far as roosters go. Um, but he was super cute and it was really funny. He just like showed up at this couple's house and just made himself at home and now he's a house rooster living it up so he made the right decision apparently yeah he picked the right house 
Yeah, he did. I don't know that everybody would have opened up their house to a rooster. Oh, to a strange cock? I don't think so. (laughs) What's this strange cock doing in my house? Get out. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, they welcomed it with open arms. (laughs) (laughs) So what's your can't even this week? So mine is from InsideEdition.com. And the title is Tiny Owl Found in Rockefeller Christmas Tree Becomes Social Media Darling as He Recovers from Strenuous Trek. Oh, I heard about this on the news this morning. So, um, obviously, the Rockefeller Center Christmas Tree is a big deal. Um, But this year, the 75-foot Norway spruce came with quite a surprise. Hiding inside the branches was was an adorable little owl, and he is adorable just so we're clear. <laughs> um, he was dehydrated and malnourished after not eating or drinking anything for three days while on a 200-mile journey from Oanada, I think I said that right, New York, uh, where the tree was cut down, and he made it all the way to Midtown Manhattan. The owl was discovered by a worker helping set up the iconic display, and he gently wrapped the owl in a blanket and brought it to the local wildlife center to be nursed back to health. There he find he was named Rockefeller or Rocky for short. Oh. Apparently he's doing great. He's eating a ton. He gave himself a bath. Um, and they're gonna release him on Saturday at dusk. Um, and they said once he's out of the crate, he's on his own. So they're gonna return him where he came from, um, which is great since they chopped down his home and everything, you know. That's why yeah. I was in there. Because guys, <laughs> you chopped down his home. <laughs> basically his home was just like moved in the middle of the night while he wasn't looking and woke up and was like WTF and he's like why are there so many lights (laughs) this is so bright here what am I gonna eat there's no field mice in New York (laughs) no just rats huge rats I did see an article that like the rats are taking over oh no yeah so yeah luckily Rocky will be able to go back to something a little more familiar. <laughs> good. Yeah. That is a good story. So make sure you send us your can't evens. Uh, you can post them in our Facebook group, send them via Facebook Messenger, Instagram, or email them to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. And please leave us a review. We read our favorite one every week on the podcast. And at the end of every month, we draw um, a winner out of all those reviews that we read. And one person gets an exclusive coffee mug mailed to them that is not and will never be in the shop. That's right. And we have no new reviews, which means the ones that we read earlier this month have a really great chance of winning when we announce the winner in next week's episode. So if you want to qualify for December, make sure that you post your reviews as soon as possible. Yes. Just a few more housekeeping items. Make sure you hit the subscribe button when you listen and download the episode because this helps more people like you find us. And share this episode over on Instagram and your stories. Tag us at Drink and Farm because we send you a promo code that'll give you a discount in our merch shop. And if your uh, Instagram account is private, you can just take a screenshot of your share and then DM it to us, direct message it to us. Um, We'll see it and then we'll send you the promo code. And make sure you take a look at our show notes to find articles we discussed, a survey to tell us how we're doing anonymously. And all of our social media goodness and merch shop.
So that's it, guys. That's everything we know about turkeys. That's it. We hope you had a lovely Thanksgiving. I know our friends in Canada had Thanksgiving like over a month ago, but um, yes, you know, we're thankful for you all. Yeah. And listening. Yeah. We are. We're extremely thankful for you. Yeah. All right. Until next time. So drink. Farm. And give zero clucks. Bye, guys. Bye. We drink things. We farm things. We drink and